0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. The greatest miracle of all is God's salvation to man. The fact that God could reach down in the muck and the mire and pick us up and turn our lives around and clean it up and save our souls is still the greatest miracle of all. Hear this preacher this morning. Stop searching for a better you and search for the voice of the shepherd. Stop searching for a better you and start looking for a lesser you because a lesser you produces more of him. Amen, amen. Thankful to feel the presence of the Lord in this place. And uh, amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. And uh, we welcome all of our guests. We appreciate you being here and just hope that you feel the presence of the Lord and feel welcome. Amen. We want you to join and worship with us. John chapter 1 is where I'll draw your attention to. I'm going to read a few verses here starting in verse number six John 1 starting verse 6 says there was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. Amen. And I just want to talk to us just for the next little bit on this title, A Greater Voice. A Greater Voice. Amen. Would you help me pray right now? Feel the presence of the Lord moving in such a mighty way. Lord, we love you in this place. God, we just invite your presence in one more time. God, I pray that your spirit would just fall, flood this place in a mighty, miraculous way, God. God, I pray that you would anoint your word as it goes forth today. God, anoint our ears and our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, God, and we'll be careful to give you the glory, give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Thank God for this rain, my all right. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Um, and just kind of, you know, I'm not asking everybody to be like, raise your hand in complete honesty today, but have you ever caught yourself um, wishing that you were, you were someone else? You ever caught yourself? I mean, this happens every time that Easton sees another kid wearing a better pair of tennis shoes than he has on. Man, I wish I was that kid. And I'm like, I just bought you those shoes. They're brand new. These are like a day old, Dad. You know, many of us, I, uh, I, if we are being honest, uh, sometimes we wake up wanting to be someone that we're not. Um and society society plays a very dominant role in this if you if you pay close attention we are all bombarded with opportunities to be a better me to be a better You. I have to be a better version of me. Everywhere that we look, diets and workouts that, uh, for weight loss. Just yesterday I was on, I was on my phone going through an app and, um, and I was looking at some some different stuff. And I came across, you know, uh, here's a smoothie recipe if you're trying to gain weight. And here's a smoothie recipe if you're trying to lose weight. It's like I'm not even on here searching for that right now. But, you know, sometimes your phone just knows what to tell you, right? And stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. I'll let you decide if I need to gain or lose weight. But but that's what we are surrounded by. Websites and books for being a better me. at for better productivity you know degrees and and conferences and workshops to get a better job and to make more money how many of you know that this is the do it yourself generation just just do it yourself right you know it's like people are like hey do you know how to do that no but I watched a YouTube video and I'm pretty sure I'm a certified plumber now and I could just do this stuff just uh, uh, you know, just a few weeks ago, when we went up to um, work on the campground and uh, work on the press for the dorms, and I have to tell this story before he preaches about it. But I've told some of you already. But these guys decided to stick old Bryce on the the electrical work. Okay, a little backstory. I used to work at Lowe's, and and I knew where the electrical department was at. That's about all I knew about electrical. All right, and people would ask me, you know, and I had to walk by it to get to the break room, so sometimes you'd get stopped by a customer, like, hey, can you help me out with this? Look, I know enough to burn your house down. And people who know nothing about electricity, that's exactly what they say every time. I know enough to burn your house down. So what do they do? They stick me on some of the electrical work. Yeah, just after telling them I had never been shocked. I got shocked not once, but twice from this electricity hey i was just following the voice of my elders who were with me saying you're good you're good it's saved shock boom still alive check my heart rate after i was like we're good you know listen i'm all for saving money but let's not kill ourselves trying to do the job of an electrician just leave the youtube videos alone and just pay somebody to do it there's no wonder that we live with a, a constant restlessness uh, uh, trying uh, uh, you know to, to do more to be more to have more to you know that there's more in life to become there's this restlessness inside of us every time uh, we get alone we get honest with ourselves that there's something that uh, you know greater that I have to become and somebody different that I need to be and sometimes it's like we're watching our own biography and we're terrified that we'll get bored if we're completely honest this morning. Sometimes it's like that. Many of us spend much of our lives aspiring to be more than what we are. More money, more exercise, more job satisfaction, more followers on social media, more children. And and that means that we're often left looking for someone else as the goal. We're often left looking at someone else as the standard, the, the person with more than us. We're trying to become a better me. Well, I don't have what that person has, and I don't have what that family has, and she has way more followers than me. And he has a better job than me. And they make more money than, than we do. And, and we want to be them. We may not say it that way or even consciously think about it that way. But we'll spend our time and we'll spend our energy stirring to become that better, more respected, more loved me. And that desire in us can make it hard to watch others, even other Christians, continue to succeed or acquire more than us. It makes it hard to celebrate with your brother or your sister when a blessing comes along because it went to someone else and not you. In our text this morning, we learn of at least one man in history worthy of his own movie settled happily in the background of another story. John the Baptist was born at the most pivotal point in history and was chosen to pave the way for the most important person in history. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. These verses, they come right on the heels of one world-changing sentence, and it's one that you all know pretty well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then right before another, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, what's interesting to me is John, the gospel writer here, interrupts, his account of the infinite almighty God coming to earth to become a human just like you and I. He interrupts this telling of this story to introduce a guy like any other guy, John the Baptist. Why would John the writer do that? Why would he Uh, just interrupt the telling of the mighty God in Christ? Why would he interrupt that to introduce us to a guy, John the Baptist? Now, here's what I believe. I believe that he introduced John the Baptist at this point because john the baptist might be the second most important person to ever have lived on this earth jesus himself said in matthew 11 truly i say to you among those born of women there has arisen no one greater than john the baptist not moses not david not peter not paul no one greater than John the Baptist. You see, John was the fulfillment of the ancient prophecy 700 years before, found in Isaiah 40. It says, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Matthew writes, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came to fulfill hundreds of years of waiting and watching. He came as the chosen one to prepare and present the coming of the Messiah, the promised Savior of the world. His voice would prepare the way of the Lord. And since then, there hasn't been anyone else like him or after him in the greatest story ever told. He was perhaps the greatest character not named Jesus Christ. Yes. It's interesting to me that John, or that Jesus calls John the Baptist, the greatest. If I were to ask you. Who was the greatest prophet? We would all probably name somebody other than John the Baptist. We would all probably name, some, but Jesus said there arose no one greater than John the Baptist. Here's another interesting tidbit for you. John the Baptist. How many miracles did John the Baptist perform? I'm going to help somebody out this morning. If you're ever on a game show, this could win you 50 bucks or something like that. How many miracles did John the Baptist perform? Zero. Zero. John the Baptist did no miracles. John the Baptist performed no miracles, and he was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He never called fire down from heaven. But there arose no one greater than John the Baptist. He never parted the Red Sea like Moses. He never drove out thousands of Midianites with just 300 men like Gideon. He never performed the miracles of Elijah, Elisha, or Joshua. He never destroyed a lion or a bear or a giant like David. But there arose no greater prophet than John the Baptist. John the Baptist was greater than all the prophets. And the reason was because he prepared the way of the Lord. He was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, the greatest miracle and remains the greatest miracle of all is the miracle of salvation. Don't ever forget it. It's greater than blind eyes being open. It's better than deaf ears being unstopped. It's the greatest miracle that we have today. The miracle of salvation it's greater than an issue of blood being healed it's greater than the dead being raised the greatest miracle of all is God's salvation to man the fact that God could reach down in the muck and the mire and pick us up and turn our lives around and clean it up and save our souls is still the greatest miracle of all And John the Baptist, he may not have called fire down from heaven, but he predicted one who would come and baptize with the Holy Ghost and fire. He may not have parted the waters of Jordan, but he stood in the waters of Jordan and called people in to be baptized in water unto repentance. The voice in the wilderness His message was simple. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Aren't you thankful today for the miracle of salvation? Repentance was his message. But I want to take you back just a little bit. Standing center stage at the highest Moment in history, privileged with unprecedented anointing and authority. John launched his personal campaign with these seven words. His message was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. But he launched his personal campaign with seven different words. These words were, he must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase, but I must decrease. John was saying that Jesus must be put forward and followed, and I must fade further into the background, into the shadows of Jesus Christ. He must increase, but I must decrease. This particular scripture is in an interesting spot. John chapter 3 at the beginning of the chapter is where we find Nicodemus coming to Jesus by night and asking how someone can enter into the kingdom of God and Jesus responds except a man be born of water and of the spirit he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now Jesus has finished talking to Nicodemus and the scene shifts to the Judean countryside where Jesus and his disciples are baptizing. Verse 22, after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside and he remained there with them and was baptizing. Then verse 23 brings in John the Baptist again. Verse 23 says, and John was also baptizing. Because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized, for John was not yet cast in prison. So here we have this, the scene. the situation is set, Jesus and his band of brothers is baptizing, and John's band of brothers is baptizing, and then all of a sudden the conversation strikes up over purification. That's all we're told. The debate is never really described. In fact, John's disciples come to John with the issue. It doesn't even sound like a purification issue when you read it. Verse 26, and they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, He was with you across the Jordan to whom he who was with you across the Jordan to whom you bore witness. Look, he is baptizing and all are going to him. They said, John, we're over here baptizing and Jesus is over there baptizing. And now all of a sudden, everybody is is going over to him. It doesn't seem to be the main issue in what follows. It's never referred to again. It just seems to get things started and disappear. What does appear though is that John the Baptist takes the conversation in a direction that seems to have nothing to do with purification and everything to do with who Jesus is as the bridegroom and who John is as the friend of the bridegroom and what's happening in their ministries as the bride leaves John and goes to the bridegroom. And how what we're reading here is how John responds to all that's taking place. Now, to figure out what's going on in this passage, Paul's and ask with me why John, the writer of the gospel, brings John the Baptist back into the picture again. I want you to remember... There are hundreds and hundreds of things that he could have told about Jesus and that John, and left John out of the whole scene. You remember the scripture, John 21, 25, that says, now there were also many other things that Jesus did where every one of them to be written. I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that it would be written in. There are so many other things that the writer could have put in this spot. There are so many other moments that the writer could have put right here in this spot. So why? Right here, after the Nicodemus conversation, Does John bring John the Baptist in again to say what he said in verse 28? Why does he bring him in to say and hear him say, I'm not the Christ. And to say, I'm not the bridegroom, but only a friend. And to say, he must increase, but I must decrease. If you remember, we've heard this theme before. You go back to John chapter 1, he is not the light, he is not the Christ, he is not Elijah and not the prophet, he is just a voice crying in the wilderness. John 1:27 says he is not worthy to unstrap the sandals of Jesus. And lots more. John has humbled himself and exalted Christ already. Why does the writer bringing back up to do this again, to humble himself again and exalt Jesus? Here is what I think the reason is. Because if you read it closely, John doesn't just come in and repeat himself again. There are new things that he says. There are new emotions that are expressed. My answer to why John the Baptist is brought in right here with these words is that he represents a kind of response to what Jesus had just said that confirms what he said, and he responds to it in his heart in a way that many today find unintelligible, namely abounding joy over himself getting smaller, and Jesus getting bigger let's be honest with ourselves today we are not part a, a part of a society that enjoys playing the second fiddle we are not a part of a society that enjoys having to sit in the back seat we are a part of a me generation We enjoy the attention. We enjoy the spotlight. Living in the shadows is never our first choice. But this was John the Baptist. This was his choice. Living in the shadows of Christ, John understood his role. Look how verse 29 in chapter 3 emphasizes the joy of John the Baptist. It says, he that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Those are some pretty strong words. He rejoiced greatly, complete joy. How many of you want to rejoice greatly? Come on, how many of you want complete joy? This is where John the Baptist was at. This is where he had arrived. It was great joy. It was complete joy. But how so? Why was there great joy? Why did John the Baptist have great joy? When you look at the story, the bridegroom is getting all the attention. The cameras are all in that direction. The rice is flying in that direction. The honeymoon is in that direction. And nobody is glancing back at the silent voice that is still sitting on the steps. The voice of the bridegroom, the voice of the shepherd has now replaced the voice that was crying in the wilderness. And in a few months the sword of Herod will absolutely silence John's voice. And John's response to this is What is his response to this diminishing, this decreasing? He says, this joy of mine is now complete. I rejoice greatly. Those of you in here today that are searching for a better you, hear this preacher this morning. Stop searching for a better you and search for the voice of the shepherd. Stop searching for a better you and start looking for a lesser you because a lesser you produces more of him. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. Let his voice become the greater voice in your life. Decrease so that he can increase. And in doing that, there'll be great joy. There'll be complete joy. Let that be your response. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. When Jesus becomes greater in the world and I become lesser in the world, my joy increases. And when this is the purpose and the plan of Jesus himself You see, some people look at the words of Jesus and they think, man, that's very, that's very egomaniac sometimes people think that it's very self-centered when they look at the words of jesus i'm not talking about followers of jesus i'm just talking about outsiders that look at jesus and they say man that is just that's very egomaniacal no it's not it's love when you understand who he is and you understand his purpose and you want to, him to increase and you decrease you understand that these are words of love i love the response of john john the baptist it's the response that i believe that all of us should have in In this room, that we should rejoice greatly when the attention and the focus is not on ourselves, but it is on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's our purpose in this life. We all point to Him. There are some in the world today, as our music comes, that would say that this is foolish. That this response is unintelligible. Some look at the words of Jesus and have already said it and think he's an egomaniac. When you read things like whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Jesus is clearly demanding that we treasure him over everyone and everything else. To many people today, this is sheer egomania. And the people who respond that way find John the Baptist's reaction unintelligible. Why? Because it's the opposite of their own. It's the opposite of their own way of thinking. They see that Jesus demands that we love him more than anyone, that we follow him, that we trust him, that we enjoy him, that we be satisfied in him and delight in him and obey him more than anyone else. And I say that's true. That's true. He does. He does want us to enjoy him. He does want us to be fulfilled in him. He does want us to be satisfied and trust him and and delight in him and obey him more than anyone else he does. And their response is exactly the opposite of John the Baptist. They were where Nicodemus was. Nicodemus, if you remember, he was flabbergasted. He said, how can all these things be? But I want to let you know that when Jesus increases in your life, joy increases in your life, freedom increases in your life, peace increases in your life. Therefore this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase but I must increase. Would you stand with me today? When Jesus becomes great in the world, I become lesser in the world, and my joy increases. When Jesus becomes greater in my family, my joy increases. When Jesus becomes greater in my finances, my joy increases. When he becomes greater in my relationships, my joy increases. He says, the one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at what? at the bridegroom's voice. At his voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Why the mention of the bridegroom's voice? Why does the friend of the bridegroom, John the Baptist, rejoice greatly over the voice? Can mean several different things, perhaps only because his voice means he's here. And the friend is glad that he's here. He's thankful he's here. But I suspect that it's a little bit more than that. John the Baptist described himself as John and John 123 as what? As the voice crying in the wilderness. His own voice has gathered a people but now they're all leaving and they're going to Jesus. Why? Because another voice is being heard. A greater voice is now being heard. A stronger voice is now being heard. The Bible says the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. The sheep follow him for they know his voice. The bridegroom has the bride because the bride has a voice and the bride knows the voice of the bridegroom. And she leaves John and goes to him and John rejoices in the voice of the bridegroom not just because that he's here but because the voice gathers the bride and it gathers her precisely away from John. And this is a voice that is greater than his. This is a voice that is superior to his own voice. This voice that I'm talking about is the voice that saves it's the voice that raises the dead it is the voice that is known by all the sheep and they follow and they follow which is why the next words out of his mouth in verse 30 are this he must increase but I must decrease John is saying it must be so and in this I rejoice and contrary to all ordinary human nature this is why John the Baptist rejoices with great joy and calls his joy finally full this is why John the writer of the gospel records these words here Nicodemus was baffled how can all these things be I don't get it I don't understand it how is it possible how can it be that that was Nicodemus you know what was John John said I saw it and I loved it I wanted it. Nobody leaves me and goes to Jesus and let us say it's given to him from heaven and there they go away from me to him. So this is the work of heaven. He increases and I decrease and by this my joy is fulfilled. That is what John the writer wants us to see and be. Church, I simply ask you today, have you submitted to the greater voice in your life? Have you? Can you hear the greater voice in your life? Can you hear the voice? of the shepherds. We all want to finish well. All of us in this room, we want to finish well, but so many of us do not. Why? Because we too easily cherish our roles in the great wedding more than the wedding itself. Which is why John the Baptist must become our mentor. he had learned to love the bridegroom's appearing and not love the celebrity of being the bridegroom's best man but that didn't come easily we must understand in this room we all have a role to play and thank god for that Thank God that we have a part. Thank God for allowing us to be a part of his story. But we got to remember it's his story and not ours. This is not about us, but it is all about him. We must remember that our role is not our reward. Jesus is our reward. It's not the role. It's Jesus. Roles will begin and roles will end. And the only way for us to end well is if our heart, in our heart, Jesus has increased and we have decreased. I ask you what rises in your heart at the thought of Jesus giving another more prominent role in his wedding? How much do you long to have a more prominent role? How well are you prepared to end the role he's given you? And what if he gives your role to someone else Our response to every single one of those is, hey, he must increase, but I must increase, decrease. The wedding is not about us. It's about him. And we never want to compete with the bridegroom for the bride's attention and affection. It's not ours. It's his. I know we love the increase and we pray for the increase, but this is what God gave me several weeks ago. He says, you're praying for the increase, but where is the decrease? You're praying for increase, but where is the decrease? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. If you are ever in our area, our doors are open on Sundays at 10 a.m. and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.